Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, the Rockies affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and joined once again is another person that will audition for the voice of Mario in the video games now, Evan Lang. It is a me. Let's a go. Woohoo. Sign him up for a billion-dollar movie. That's why we pay him the big bucks here. Uh, I stomp on turtles. (laughs) For good reason. They keep stealing his girlfriend, who doesn't reciprocate at all. I know people still make fun of Chris Pratt's performance in in the Mario movie, but it was was fine. He did fine. Yes. For that entire movie, everybody did A-OK, except Cranky Kong, who sounded terrible. Yeah, it wasn't great. Hey, I'm cranky over here. Like, they they could have just gotten, like... Fred Armisen could have done any other voice. Or they could have just gotten the Larry David. They could have just asked Larry David to voice him. Instead of having Fred Armisen do kind of a half-baked Larry David impression. Who really needs to blow his nose. Uh, Fun stuff. But we're not here to talk about the Mario movie. <laughs> Our episodes always start off weird. Uh, not too shabby. Uh, but also, farewell and congrats to Charles Martinet, who is retiring as the voice of Mario in the video games. Good stuff. Uh, but Evan, before we get into Rockies, uh, do you like football? I do. I do like football. Do you like nachos? I also like nachos. How about you come over to my house and we 
watch the game and have some nachos. Uh, it's a Simpsons reference for you. But Evan, what if I told oh, you? Oh, oh, it you know it took me okay, it took me a minute. This is the episode <laughs> where George H. W. Bush moves in, and him and Homer become like arch enemies. But then he moves out, and then at the end, Gerald Ford moves in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And they become fast friends. But Evan, what if I told you that you could go watch your favorite NFL team <sighs> at their Week One game of the season? I would ask you if Gerald Ford is going to be there. Uh, no, he will not because he is not around anymore. But there's still a way for you to go to and attend your favorite team's week one game. Thanks to our proud sponsors of the Fans First Sports Network. They're giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. That's a credible value here. And the rules to enter, Evan, are simple. And for fans, you can go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. Again, that's contest.fansfirstsports.com. And fill out a form, appropriate information. Once you've done that, you've been officially registered to win the four free tickets to any Week 1 NFL game. So a pretty awesome opportunity by those who make this podcast possible or keeping us going, doing this awesome thing uh, as football season right around the corner. And people are gearing up for that. And pretty awesome. Contest ends on September 4th. You can go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. You can go watch Russell Wilson and the Broncos and hope they can figure things out this year. Or you can be like Evan and go follow the Packers. I follow the Broncos too. It works. But you it can does enter. because they, they rarely play each other. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a, a fantastic opportunity, and we're so um, we're so grateful to uh, the folks at Fan for Sports Network for giving us a platform, and also this is just a really cool thing uh, to do with with how expensive NFL tickets can be, especially for the uh, the home opener or the, the week one opener. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a pretty awesome thing. Again, contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. Contest ends on September 4th. So do it as soon as you hear this episode. Go ahead and go do that and enter in for those free tickets, which is pretty awesome. I've never been to an NFL game. Fortunately, I don't think we can win. But a uh, Rusty Shackleford definitely could. <laughs> but <laughs> wink. Yeah, awesome thing, and definitely go enter that. And football season right around the corner, so awesome opportunity there. And you don't even have to bring us along if you win. Yeah, but it'd be cool if you did. I got nothing going on. <laughs> All righty, <laughs> we'll both turn into Larry David. Good luck, everybody. Um, thanks for listening, and if you enter, let us know if you win. Yeah, let us know. Right, Evan. Should we talk about the Rockies? Must we? Uh, yes, that's what we're paid for. Uh, it's been a rough past week since we last spoke because the Rockies uh, keep losing in the late game uh, in the eighth inning and later. And it's been pretty rough and it's been epitomized by the Rockies or Bud Black's quote. We aren't losing. We're getting beat. And that 
sums it up better than anything that we've seen in the past week as the Rockies are in the midst of a five-game losing streak after struggling at home in a couple of games against the Diamondbacks. They imploded quite a bit against the White Sox to fail to sweep them. Tampa Bay, they get swept uh, after having many opportunities to win. And then first game, as of recording against the Orioles, they again lose in the eighth inning. And later, it's been rough go of it, Evan. And what's kind of been, what's it, what's been the problem? Bullpen implosions? What, what's been nagging this team over this past week? So before I get into that, I have a, a fun fact to share about this. So the Rockies having lost five straight and going into the eighth inning in all five of those games with either the lead or the tie, it is the first team to do that since the Montreal Expos from May 26th to May 30th in 1970. So it has been 50 plus years since this has happened. And um, <clears throat> it's been real. You know, it's, it's, it's been pretty bad. And part of it is the bullpen. And part of it is just the Rockies failure to really put things away um, where the offense will pull ahead and then just kind of stop. And we're also getting really not particularly competitive ninth innings after that eighth inning or um, eighth inning or later sort of implosion where we lose the lead or we lose the tie. And I don't know if that's because, you know, with with those cons consistent um I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it here with, with, with how consistent it's been that something implodes that late in the game. I don't know if it's that they're just getting like the wind sucked out of their sails and morale just evaporates or, or, or what, but a really good example is, um, so the game one against the Baltimore Orioles, they lose the lead. They go into the ninth inning. Okay, let's go. Instead of Alaris Montero hitting, he is taken out of the game for Jerickson Profar, who promptly strikes out on a couple pitches. Immediately afterwards, Harold Castro is brought into pinch hit, who lazily grounds out. That's two outs. And then right after that, third out, game over. Quick one, two, three inning. They barely put up a fight. And that's that's been sort of the case for for all of these games where in the in the eighth or the ninth things just fall apart and you know the for that race series we got walked off that one time um but it, it just really feels like we we ex we implode and then all the all the will to fight just sort of vanishes and we also need to talk about the the bullpen in that regard because well, they're the, the reason for all the implosions at the, the moment. The bullpen has been struggling so much in these late innings. You've got uh, Justin Lawrence, who's blown five uh, save opportunities. Brent Suter has, has really been struggling. And the main thing that I want to focus on for this is this is actually not unexpected with how much this bullpen has been used. The Rockies have one of the most overused bullpens in all of baseball. 
by innings. The Rockies have the fifth most innings used by relief pitchers in the entire league. And if you look at the, the primary suspects, the guys who have pitched a lot, we have two pitchers who have 50 or more outings. We have, uh, I believe, six who have had all 40-plus. And even guys who are relatively new, like Matt Cook. Matt Cook came in, and he established himself, and he was pitching really well. And now he's been used 26 times, and he's only been up for, like, a couple months. And we're looking at this, and we're seeing in my opinion, the results of an incredibly overused and overtaxed bullpen where we are now late in the season. There's about five, six weeks left of the season and our bullpen is out of gas. And it, it really is in particular, these five and six guys who are all getting overused a lot. Like last night, they could have given an opportunity to shine to Evan Justice, who just got called up. Or multiple other guys in this bullpen just to give some folks a break. We have, we have Jake bird who has thrown 72 innings in 55 outings. We have Justin Lawrence who's thrown 61 innings in 53 outings. Brent Suter, 59, 47, Daniel Bard, 43, 44. It's not, it's not an ideal situation. And you even look at like some of these guys that we have who have made so many outings are guys that aren't even on the team anymore. You have Pierce Johnson who racked up 43 appearances with the team before he was traded. That's wild. That is so much use out of, out of a bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think of a lot of it is part of that overuse and more not Part of that is more so the overexposure where then there's more video, there's more scouting against these guys. And now these guys are going to, you have to use your bullpen over the course of a season and guys have to figure out how to be, you know, have that longevity when they're getting used as often as they are. Uh, and Cause the starting pitching has been getting better, at least giving this length in the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, but it's, the guys that you need to secure the back end that aren't getting it done. And part of it's against good hitting, some good hitting teams. And part of it's just not executing where Brent Suter, uh, he's not the hardest thrower in baseball. Yeah. He works quick and he gets his ground balls, but still if teams jump on him, know that plan that, okay, he's going to work quick and he's going to throw us some fastballs sinkers over the plate. We can be aggressive and that's what I think we're seeing teams doing is they're prepared. They're ready to hit when these relievers are coming in where suitors coming in and immediately he's getting hit. You no, know, he's getting singled to death or he's, he's you know, getting hit hard Baltimore. They sent you no know, a deep fly ball out there and then they finally connect on one to send it out for a home run to take the lead. So it's teams that are, they're against good teams, some good hitting teams right now. Diamondbacks are good hitting team, Tampa Bay and the Orioles this year. And they're having that plan of attack. And I think that's what we're seeing is teams are ready to hit because they know what's coming from our relievers. And yeah, they're probably out of gas and there's just that overexposure. 
But what I see is just these, our guys aren't executing. They don't have, you know, other teams have a better game plan against us and we just can't close it out. We can't outthink the hitters we're facing because the Rockies, they don't strike out a lot of guys. And that's pretty evident. You need guys that can come in and strike guys out. Why did our top of the ninth against the Orioles fare so terribly? Because it was the bottom of the order facing Felix Bautista, who's pumping 102, no, 100 to 102 every pitch. What can you do against that? Uh, except wait for him to blow out his arm, <laughs> throw into Michael Tolia, who promptly strikes out when he has to flip to right hand. Uh, yeah, that was... That was rough. Felix Batista is having such an incredible season. And all of a sudden, um, he leaves that outing having just blown out his arm. It sounds like he's going to go on the injured list. So best of luck to um, best of luck to him. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery and it's nothing too serious. But you're absolutely right in that regard in that the Rockies how often do we hear in the broadcast um, the excuse of, oh, the Rockies are going to struggle against this guy because he's a guy they've never seen before? Yeah. where that's, but, that's what scouting is for, Evan. Yeah. And it's not like the Orioles are particularly overexposed to Brent Suter. Yeah. They haven't seen him at all this year. Or, ever, or like hardly ever because he was in the <laughs> with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. So before yeah. the before the schedule change. Yeah. And I like exactly where that excuse, oh, we've never seen this guy before. Yeah, that's the most of baseball. They hardly ever see anybody. Oh, unless you play within that division, you see a guy maybe once a year. Yeah. Whereas in the you know, in the National League West, we've seen Clayton Kershaw, you know, we see him several times a year. So you can't use that excuse. The organization you have to you have to have a game plan. You have to scout and advance and, and be prepared. Have a game plan against the guys you're going to be facing, and we see that. Look at Tampa Bay. Were they pounding the ball when they you know had that gigantic inning? No, they were stringing together hits until that big bop came. You know, a grand slam for that one guy's first career home run. Uh, they come up with that plan to hit. And they're aggressive, simple, just put bat on the ball, boom, single to right field, boom, single down the line, boom, double down the line, set it up, draw a walk, grand slam, yeah. you're losing even more. Taking taking advantage of those mistakes. And it really is the Rockies right now also, um, you know, we, we were talking about Felix Bautista coming in and, and blowing the gas just straight past our, our hitters. The Rockies are the only team in all of Major League Baseball to not throw a single pitch from any pitcher of 99 miles per hour or higher this season. Oof. We just have no velocity and strikeout guys. We don't have any. Daniel Bard used to be that guy. And, you know, you mentioned that grand slam. I'm, I'm kind of worried that we just saw Daniel Bard's career just end with that grand slam uh, from Oslivis Basabes because that was brutal. And he has just not looked at all the same for most of this year. And Daniel Bard used to be one of our high-velocity guys. You know, he was throwing 99-plus last season. And he hasn't been this year. Uh, and, you know, we don't really have any gas throwers. You know, 
Armand Marquez, a couple seasons ago, you would see him occasionally tick up towards that, towards the end of his outings, but he didn't really have any of that this year, and now he's out with Tommy John. Uh, Justin Lawrence used to be able to, probably still could, he could hit 102 on his fastball, but he intentionally stepped back the velocity in order to uh, focus more on command, which is a good thing, but then the Rockies don't have anybody to replace that velocity. Mm-hmm. It's like the velocity and then it's like a give and take when a Rockies pitcher has velocity, they have little to no control. Like we saw with Justin Lawrence when he was throwing that gas, but now walks are still a problem with control. So walks are leading to hits and then hits are leading to runs. And so they're just dealing with so much traffic. They're at the back end of that bullpen where it's, (laughs) it's weird. The ebb and flow of a season where we couldn't trust the starting rotation, but now, Starting rotations, like they're picking up their slack. They've been carrying their weight, giving us a chance. The young guys, we won't dive in too much of it for another conversation due to time, but the young guys have been competing, good at bats. They're staying in games. They've been digging out of holes. They've been giving us opportunities to be in the lead in that eighth and ninth inning, no, seventh, eighth, ninth. But then they're doing just enough with this young core and this young group. But then the bullpen's coming in and giving up four, five, six runs in the in the eighth and ninth innings yeah. puts the game out of hand or just that big blow, like you mentioned, bottom of the eighth. You give up a huge blow. It's really hard to come back from that in the top of the ninth, you know, as the visiting team giving up that lead. And then you have a your bottom of the order with their closer coming in. It's a tough recipe. You know, there's really nothing the Rockies could have really done unless they got really lucky and like sent Elias Diaz up there and told him it was the all-star game again. Yeah. So it's <laughs> so many factors that are going in where it's overworked bullpen, no overexposure, perhaps not prepping enough. They're just not having the best quality of preparation coming into those in situations and stuff. So we're really good through seven innings. And then these last couple of innings over the past week have just been brutal Yeah, to, to and watch it's... and deflating. And it's so tough because you think about it and you you look and you go, well, we're having a really competitive first seven innings against some really good teams in the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles are an 80-win team so far this season versus the Rockies are an 80-loss team so far this season. But then after you get past the seventh inning, things just completely collapse. And the last thing I want to talk about with this before we move on is just circling back to that overexposure and overwork. I want you to look at some of the pitchers with the most appearances in baseball compared to how many innings they've thrown. So the most used reliever right now in all of MLB is Matt Brash of the Seattle Mariners. He has made 63 appearances. How many innings has he thrown? Do you think? Hmm. 63. 55. Hmm. Second most used reliever in MLB is Houston's Brian Abreu with 61 outings. How many innings do you think he's thrown? 54. He's thrown 60. But you're you're on the right track with the next guy, Arizona's Miguel Castro, the former Rocky, who's thrown uh, 52 innings in 60 appearances. And most of the other guys on this most used relievers list sort of follow that, where the amount of innings that they are pitching 
are either less than or equal to the amount of outings that they have had. And then you tick over and you look at the Rockies relievers. Jake Bird, in 55 outings, has thrown 72 innings. Justin Lawrence, in 53 outings, has thrown 61 innings. And Brent Suter, in 47 outings, has thrown 59 innings. Where, by innings pitched, Jake Bird has the most in all of baseball right now for relievers. And Justin Lawrence has the is tied for the 10th most. Despite the fact that they are both not even top 25 in appearances right now. That's hmm. so what bullpen not or starting rotation not doing your its job and bullpen guys having to carry multiple innings. It's just been it's just been an unfortunate week. And because like we said, we're we're seeing the starting rotation do some some better things. We're seeing the young guys in the offense still a lot to, to work with, but they've competed. They've put together competitive games to keep them close, and then it just gets out of hand from those last couple of innings, and they can't close it out. And, yeah, it's I, I agree with that sentiment that Bud Black shared. You know, we're not losing. We're just getting beat. And you know, there's some truth in that sentiment where the Rockies are snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And they're just finding ways to lose games, unfortunately. And we'll appreciate Brent Suter, despite struggling, he's owning up to it. Oh, and he's like, we just got to keep going. We got to his commitment to the bullpen team. Yeah, they're being, they know what's going on. They know what they're struggling with. Yeah, And they're going to do everything they can to try and figure it out too. And that's, because, that is something I really like about this team right now is we've seen in, in some articles posted by Thomas Harding, that this is a team that's really trying to where these players are really trying to pick each other up and have everybody's back where um, earlier in the week, we had an article from Thomas Harding where he's talking about um, Hensley Mullins is holding these, these team meetings for the hitters where they can discuss like their feelings and, and, uh, and talk about how they feel things are going and things that are bothering them. And then their teammates can pick each other up. And we're seeing that from Brent Suter. And we're seeing that from Justin Lawrence and other guys in the bullpen of trying to pick each other up and have each other's backs, despite the fact that they are struggling. And I, I really do like that. That is such an incredibly important thing. And, you know, I, it's, it's gotta be very hard on the players to be having a season this difficult. Mm-hmm. And, I, I appreciate that they all have each other's backs and it, and it is tough because we are seeing, like you've said, positives in so many places. Uh, Kyle Freeland, his start against Baltimore was pretty good. And Austin Gomber has been fantastic over his last few starts. And the, the rotation is, is doing what it can, um, especially guys like Freeland and Gomber. But then the the offense is also doing what it can, especially from the young guys, Nolan Jones, um, Brenton Doyle's incredible outfield defense. Charlie Blackman's been a spark plug in the offense, but things just aren't coming together to seal the deal. Mm -hmm. It's been rough, but we'll keep on trucking along. But we'll go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we come back, we've got some more news about a possible reunion about Charlie Blackman and the Rockies for next season. So stick around. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude. 
Hello and welcome back here on Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us, as always, through our breaks. And Evan, last week we had talked about the importance of Charlie Blackman and you know, well, just what he means to the team and how we'd be okay with him coming back for one more season to Chuck's final ride. Well, sounds like the Rockies and Charlie Blackman are you know, mulling over that same kind of idea where you know, there's mutual interest between Charlie Blackman and the Colorado Rockies to reunite for one more season if things come together. Talking to Patrick Saunders, Charlie Blackman said, I think I've been able to bounce back well from the hand injury, and I think we need a good mix of older players like myself to help the young players with adjustments and things like that. I think if you have just a team of young guys and they are all trying to go through it together at the same time, it can be tough. So I think veterans can help them make adjustments. So Charlie Blackman, Rockies are his first choice. Uh, your thoughts on this, Evan? So first of all, that's pretty much exactly what we said last week is that you need a guy like Charlie Blackman to be there and be a leader for a, a very young team. Um, but the, I, I'd be, like we said, I'd be more than happy to have him back. And I, it makes me happy to see that it sounds like that feeling is mutual that Chuck wants to keep playing and that he wants to come back at least for one more season. Um, he spoke with um, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post about all of this. And, you know, I think for the Rockies, who after next year are going to have a pretty low payroll in terms of um, other teams in Major League Baseball, I think it would be kind of a no-brainer to bring Chuck back. There is going to be a little bit of a squeeze on where he can play, especially with all these rookies and young guys coming around. But that's kind of what we've been doing with him where since he's come back, I will argue that Chuck really hasn't been taking away playing time from any of the young guys where he's either in right field. Occasionally he was in right field again, game one against the Orioles or he's DH. And when he's not in right field, you can put Nolan Jones or Michael Tolia or whomever in right field. And when he is in right field, you can put one of those guys in the DH slot. So I would argue that, you know, that's not really been a problem for Charlie Blackman. It's like we've argued um, earlier in this episode and other parts of the season. It's guys like uh, Jerkson Profar and Harold Castro right now who are leeching most of the playing time from younger guys. Though we've seen Harold Castro less and less since Brendan Rogers returned. Jerkson Profar has still appeared in, what is it? It's like 17 or 18 of the games played since the trade deadline out of 21 or 22 games. And that's weird, especially when he's not, not presenting a, a positive value on the team. Like Charlie Blackman is Charlie Blackman is still providing positive value to this team right now, especially at the plate. He's got a couple triples since he came back. He's hitting home runs. He looks good. He looks quick. Um, his outfield defense isn't great, which it hasn't been, but you can tell he's putting in the effort. Um, he tried his he tried his damn hardest to rob that home run yesterday, where he took a good he took a good route on the ball and he got up on the wall to try and grab it, but he just couldn't um, couldn't get to it, especially because he got a little bit tangled up in some of the material that's on the outfield wall at Camden Yards out there. But I you know I, I was talking about it, I was like. Man, you didn't get it, but damn good effort there, Chuck, because you tried. You you put your all into trying to get it, at least. And that is 
I think what's so important about having a guy like Charlie Blackman and other players have talked about this. Nolan Jones, uh, for example, talking about how when Chuck is here, he's never not giving it 100%. And I think that's a really important presence to have around uh, a young team getting younger. And I agree with Chuck that, you know, next year, when a lot of these contracts are going to be off the books and this team's going to get even younger, you can't just have it be nothing but super young guys trying to all figure it out at the same time. I do agree with that. You need some veterans. And I think Charlie Blackman is the veteran that you want to have. Of any other guy in this position group, I would choose Charlie Blackman over any of them. Not just for what he means to the organization, not just for what he means to the fans, but for what he means to his teammates and how he helps pick them up, helps them adjust, and helps teach them as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they said they, they said if, if things work out, they'd love to have him back. Uh, so it just depends on the money. Uh, but Charlie Blackman said Rockies are his first choice, which is good to hear. So hopefully they can figure something out. Uh, otherwise, we may see Charlie Blackman go the route of Carlos Gonzalez and just kind of fade away into obscurity with some other team over the final year or two of his career, which would be really sad to see, which is the sad thing with Cargo, who then went to what, Cleveland and Chicago and just ended his career in 2020 with the Seattle Mariners yeah. and didn't even make their summer roster. Yeah, Weeks that was... Ago. That was tough. And it also is. Think of how many guys over the last few years have said, we want to stay in Colorado. This is our first choice. And then they're not here anymore. Thing is, Charlie Blackton has the advantage of being a 37 year old designated hitter. So that's in our corner, at least. He's not looking at the entire future of his career ahead of him still. But. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see. We'll see what happens. And you now he's getting paid around 15 million this year. You'd expect maybe he, there's one of two things, like we mentioned, they extend a qualifying offer and he accepts it and you're paying him the 18, 19 million, which it's quite a bit for Charlie or you bring him back on a one-year deal, maybe less than 15, which we can think about, but it's awesome that they're, they're having those conversations and there's that mutual interest, and hopefully they can figure something out. Maybe they sign them before the season's end. Um, but yeah, we'll some hopefully kind of an extension. Charlie Blackman in purple again next year. We're hoping yeah. we can see number 19 for one final ride. I think um, what it's going to be is you're either going to sign him to a one-year deal for, my guess is between 10 and $15 million, um, yeah. or they give him that qualifying offer, which is more than he's going to get anywhere else of 18 and 19 million as a way to, if it really is his last season, sort of reward him for everything he's done for this franchise and for this organization. Cause mm-hmm. that does happen where you're not necessarily paying them for what their performance is going to be that year, but it's more of a reward for everything that they have done. And that's sort of part of, you know, that, that contract, um, for example, Steven Strasburg uh, just announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. The 2019 World Series MVP for the Washington Nationals, who's just unfortunately really struggled with some really miserable injuries. And that contract was 
kind of frowned upon when he got it, but it was also a reward for being such an important part of that team that did bring them finally to the promised land. A World Series MVP, a World Series win forgives a lot of things. And that's what part of that contract was, is that they were rewarding him for everything he had done for the team up until that point as well. And, you know, of course, the the contract that Charlie gets for, for one year or, or whatever is never going to be anywhere near that big. But you can look at it as, you know, very similar to his contract when he was 32 and we extended him for that six-year deal with the options is that it was also a reward for everything he had he had done up until that point in addition to his future performance. Yep. Contracts are based on rewards and what you've done in the past as opposed to what you will do in the future. Well, even though that's part of it, but it's more so what you've done in the past. So we'll see what happens. Uh, one more thing here in this segment that we'll touch on. Uh, the Rockies called up Evan Justice and DFA'd Justin... I've still never figured out how to say his name. Brill? Brill? Justin Brill Healy. Uh, he was DFA'd. That was the left-handed reliever that the Rockies bought from the Dodgers at the trade deadline. Uh, but he didn't really do much. Uh, kind of struggled. But So they've called up Evan Justice. And Evan, this is a guy that you're pretty high on, you're excited about. And just kind of give us the lowdown on Evan Justice. What's the verdict on Evan Justice? See what I did there? I love I love Evan Justice for, well, one obvious reason. You're uh, a fan of you... justice and the law. Big. And also, what, is it, what does that say? Lang. Uh, right next to it? Even. Close. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. Um, is that... For us, Evans got to stick together. Um, and it's really cool to see that there is an Evan up on the major league roster now for the Rockies, which is something I have thought about, dreamed about uh, pretty much my entire life at this point. Um, though, of course, in my wildest fantasies, it's me, but in real life, you know. Uh, but Evan Justice is really interesting because he's had just a fantastic minor league career. After a really tough start to his his professional career, uh, I wrote about him a little bit when he got promoted to AAA Albuquerque about a month, month and a half ago, where his, uh, his NC State Wolfpack, they got eliminated from the College World Series due to a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, but then he played in the Arizona Complex League in 2021. But then in 2022, he missed the entire season because he had this lingering shoulder strain, shoulder strain that he couldn't shake. But now he's he's up in up in the big leagues after not that much time in the minor leagues. His ascent was really, for lack of a better term, meteoric in terms of just rocketing through the farm system. Because remember, 2021 played three games in the Arizona Complex League. 2022 did not play at all. In 2023, he started in Spokane and just rocketed up. He only played uh, 10 games for high A Spokane, promoted to Hartford, double A, played 15 games, promoted to triple A, Albuquerque, 13 games. He's only thrown 41 and two thirds innings this season of minor league baseball and has a, an overall ERA of 3.46. Now his ERA in Albuquerque little bloated because it's 
one, not a terribly big sample size, and two, pitching in the PCL is really, really hard, where ERA is a little bit negligible. Um, you know, you don't want to completely ignore it. But then you instead look at he had a zero ERA in um, in Spokane and an ERA of just 3.38 in Hartford. And in Hartford, most of that ERA came for like one or two games where he had one really bad outing against the Altoona Curve in late May where he gave up four earned runs. Before that, he had only given up one earned run. And after that, he did not give up a single earned run. So even then, his ERA kind of fools you because it looks higher than it actually legitimately you know, should be or how it would be indicative of his performance. But he's got a good mid-90s fastball that averages around 95. So, you know, good higher velocity fastball than a lot of the other relievers on this Rockies team right now with kind of a weird deceptive arm slot. Um, and he also he's a left-hander, which we always need more of. We need more lefties. But then he's also got a, a good arsenal of breaking pitches. His best one is his slider, uh, low to mid-80s slider. But, man, AAA hitters could not do anything against that slider. They had something like a 62% whiff rate against that pitch when he was with the Albuquerque Isotopes. Evan Justice is awesome. I'm really, really happy to have him up on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's always nice to have another lefty, you know, lefty depth options. That's something the Rockies have always struggled with, especially during the Bud Black era. And, you know, <laughs> between Jeff Breidich and Bill Schmidt's been doing better, just getting more lefty arms for that bullpen. And, you know, it's good to have a guy that can throw a little harder than, say, a Brent Suter. And Brill just wasn't getting it done, just kind of ineffective. And he's a good depth option. And so hopefully he can stick around. The Rockies keep him in the system somehow. Maybe hopefully they didn't overpay for him. But not too shabby to add a guy like Evan Justice, who yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to work on his walks and get more consistent. He's shown that he can like this season, uh, down in double A and down in in Spokane, Albuquerque against better hitters, he's going to have to work on that still you know, and nail that down a bit more. But still, an intriguing arm when he's on and you know, can pound the zone. That's what we need. Guys that can pound the zone with some command their fastball, command velocity in the zone, and throw strikes and get it past guys when they can. And it's going to be exciting to see, hopefully, by the time you hear this on Monday, that he's debuted and then he's thrown some some pitches uh, would be nice to see. But congrats to Evan Justice making it to the big leagues finally. And uh, hopefully he can pan out, get him some, some more time, and he can join that core of Lucas Gilbreth, maybe Brent Suter again. Uh, over there's the lefties in the bullpen going forward for the future. But if nothing else... You get to look at him now and see if he pans out or if he fits into your plans for the future. But yeah, and it's it's a bummer that um Justin Broyle, you know, he he struggled while he was up here with us. Hopefully he's gonna gonna clear and we can get him back down to Albuquerque because I don't think Brill's a bad pitcher. I think he just, you know, struggled in the limited time that he had with the Rockies this year. Mm-hmm. 
and he's worth keeping around to see like, like is it worth keeping around to see if we can get um, some value out of him? And if not, you know, at the very least we didn't pay that much for him. So worth a shot. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and take one more break here as we head into our final segment, Evan, but don't go anywhere here on affected by altitude. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody, and welcome back here to Affected by Altitude for our one more segment here where we're near the end of August. We're in the final month or so of the season. Uh, this is the point in the season where when you call up a prospect or a rookie, they will not have enough days of service time and will maintain their rookie status going into the 2024 season. So you're starting to see a lot more top prospects getting called up by by organizations uh the the cardinals have been calling up guys some of the teams that are well out of it are calling up guys and then some teams that are are on the cusp battling for the playoffs they'll call it maybe the top top guys that can really contribute down the line uh but it's call-up season and so we just want to ask evan who do we want to see get called up for the final month or so of the season to get some action I can it's, think of one guy that you're probably going to talk about right now. It's call-up season. It's a uh, cup of coffee season. That's baseball. Uh, you can buy that in our spreadsheet uh, shop. Uh, uh. Um, no, it, it really is. It's So roster expansion is about a week away at this point in time of recording. September 1st, the rosters expand from 26 to 28. And first of all, in order to facilitate this, there are two very obvious candidates to be DFA'd to clear space on the 40-man roster for two call-ups. And it's Jerickson Profar and it's Harold Castro. Get it done. Because there are... Because that way, we can really take advantage of that. We can call up... DFA'ing those two guys, we not only clear space on the 40-man roster um, to call up two guys, but then we can call up an additional two who are already on the 40-man to give them sort of an extended look. Because that is really what these final two seasons are all about. The Rockies are not going anywhere. We have 80 losses. We're likely to hit 100 losses. We'll talk about that in a minute. So now, it's time to look at the kids. And the first guy, you all know who I'm going to pick, is Hunter Goodman. Hunter, need, Hunter Goodman needs to be up here yesterday, honestly. He has been incredible in AAA Albuquerque so far this season where honestly, I, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to describe this here. I don't think he's, despite the limited sample size, I think he's proving that he doesn't actually have anything to prove at that level. I think you might as well just call him up now and see what happens. In 15 games with the Albuquerque Isotopes, he's hitting 371, 418, 903 slugging percentage with an OPS of 1.321. In those 15 games, he has nine home runs, two doubles, and 33 RBIs. Yes, he struck out a decent chunk. He's striking out at least once a game. He's got 17 strikeouts in those 15 games, uh, 62 at-bats. But Goodman is a pure power hitter. He's going to get a he's he's probably the closest we've got to a three a three true outcomes hitter. 
where if he gets a hold of that ball, he is going to crush it. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah, see that. Yeah, he'd be the good one to to pick up. And no, he's got a little bit of that versatility. He can catch. He can play first base. He can play left field. He's put out some pretty good highlights in the outfield. They're in left field. Uh, and that would be nice. And, and I think he's shown more of just an instinct for hitting than, say, in, uh, Montero, who we know the power Montero has, but he just hasn't been able to make the adjustments at the big league level to really tap into that. Uh, whereas, you know, looking at, at Hunter Goodman, I think he has that potential more to make those adjustments where he's going to jump on the pitches that he knows he can hit. And no, he's still going to strike out you know, a, a good chunk here, but has more tendency maybe to draw a walk as well. So he would be a really good one to see. And then you know, just to see if he fits into your plans for 2024 at all or for his future. Because this is the time of season you start you know, sifting through guys, give them a head start either for the next season or hey, this guy's not really, we don't see him in our plans. We don't really see him in our lineup for next year or you know, have a need or space for him in this, on this roster. Then you can trade them. You can look at trading guys or what you can. But Hunter Goodman, I think he's, he's on that cusp. He's, he's ready to get that call up among prospects who will get that debut because I think Sean Bouchard probably gets called back up once rosters expand and Again, this goes back to you need to do something with Profar and Castro because Bouchard needs to come up and you don't want to just fill one of those two extra roster spots with a guy who's already been around. And then no, maybe a position player and a pitcher would fill up those two final spots. So if you want more room, like you said, you got to get rid of a couple of those veterans who have no either come up with injuries for them or DFA him or whatever. Yeah, because you DFA Profar, and then you have left field open for Sean Bouchard and Hunter Goodman. Mm -hmm. So that's a couple of those guys. There's also some pitchers. Chase Anderson, they keep talking about him doing rehab and starting with the Rockies again. Maybe he does, uh, but some of those guys like him and Chris Flexen, do you really need them down the stretch for the rest of the season? type of thing but Hunter Goodman I think is top of our list uh, I think pitcher wise I like to see Riley Pint get a call back up and give him a legitimate chance of more work you know, pitching there and out the one outing that he had uh, was just kind of faced a couple of hitters didn't go great and then they immediately sent him back down the next day I'd like to see him get called up and finally just give him a chance let him run through the month of September you know because like I said, that bullpen spent, put a fresh arm in there at the big league level and give, get him a chance. He's deserved, he's earned it, and just make that whole story come full circle. If he doesn't do well, well, at least the story's come full circle type of thing. Yeah, I agree. Riley Pint really hasn't been given much of a shake up here at the big leagues. He had that one outing. He got called up a second time at some point, and then was here for like a day, didn't pitch, and then got sent back down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple guys who are doing rehab assignments right now uh, with AAA who I don't know if you should bring them back to the team. And that includes um, 
that includes Chase Anderson and also includes, unfortunately, Matt Karasidi. Uh, Matt Karasidi's rehabbing with AAA right now. And honestly, you know, he's been pretty good for this team for, for what he was called into action to do. But the question is, do you really need to bring him back when you could give some some young guys a shot? It's okay. it's a tough call. Um, there's not a whole lot of other um, pitchers right now in Albuquerque that I would consider ready to go unless you want to um, really put some interesting eyes on guys like uh, Dugan Darnell or Victor Vodnik, who we received at the trade deadline. Um, Dugan Darnell has been doing pretty solid in AAA. Vodnik's only been there for a little bit. Um, but those are definitely options. Yeah, I would see Victor Vodnik maybe getting that that look because they, the organization's so high on him that I feel like he would get a shot some point in in, in September. Because, yeah, you can have Chase Anderson and like Matt Caracidi come back up, prove that they're healthy, you know, more or less to like the rest of baseball. Like, hey, we come back and we've pitched and we're healthy and ready to go heading into free agency. No, they'll do right by those guys. You still have to do right by some of those guys like that coming off of injuries. Of yeah, we're we're not going to just kick you to the curb <laughs> as soon as this rehab assignment. The Rockies really don't do that. They'd give them a shot. You no, know, maybe a start for and for Chase Anderson shows. Hey, I'm still healthy. I can still pitch. And then okay, we we appreciate you, but we got to give other guys a look here in the starting rotation. Carl Kaufman, we're going to put him back in the rotation, that type of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think Victor Vodnik would get a look. Dugan Darnell would be an intriguing one. Oh, I would be so thing. happy to see Dugan make his debut. But uh, pitching wise, yeah, it's kind of kind of thin at the AAA level. And there aren't necessarily any guys down in Double in A that you'd want to expose at this point. You know, you'd want to give them that look in, in spring training maybe move them up to triple a the time but position players it's kind of up in the air i feel sean bouchard's gonna get that recall he just seems natural at this point now that he's playing and everything but kind of up in the air too with with position players of well who would you bring up bring back up do you bring up another catcher so brian servin comes back uh or do you kind of look around <laughs> for other guys, Daniel Montano or Jimmy Heron, Winton Bernard, for some reason gets called back up? Uh, I'd love to see Aaron Shunk. Yeah, Shunky. Uh, Aaron Shunk has had a fantastic season with AAA Albuquerque. I think he's definitely deserving of getting an extended look over the last month or so of the season. Um, Shunk is hitting 290, 343, 484 with 13 home runs. 20 doubles and six triples. And he even has a couple games where he has multiple triples in a single game, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Uh, I would love to see him get a call up. You could, um, you could Coco see Montez, Coco Montez, uh, Willie McIver, also an option. Yeah. And, and some of these guys, you know, because the team's already so young, some of these guys you probably wouldn't see get that much of extended looks, but getting talk about the exposure and, know dip in their feet at the big league level and kind of learn to fly home airplanes <laughs> learn that process of being with the big league team for some of those guys you know, and just get exposure to it and 
uh, and then getting them into games. So there's options. Uh, is there any kind of like far-fetched one that you would like? Um, kind of like the Ezekiel Tovar comes up in the final week of the season type of thing. That's a tough one. So non-top prospect, I would say um, somebody like Jimmy Heron, who has had really quietly just a really strong season with with AAA Albuquerque. Um, nobody really talks about him because he's not he's not a top prospect and he, he's been around for a little bit. He's 27 years old. He was originally drafted by the Cubs back in 2018 out of Duke, but he's hitting 302, 392, 507 this season with 15 home runs, uh, four triples and 22 doubles, 63 runs batted in. And this is not a guy who was specifically really known as a power hitter earlier in his career, but he's getting good power numbers, getting good contact numbers, getting good on base numbers. And he's a really, really solid defensive outfielder as well. I would be very happy to see him get a chance. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, guys who would surprise me, that is tough because you want to look at maybe some guys who are on, say, the Hartford Yard Goats. Yeah. We just want to throw it at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> if you uh, really want to get crazy, I would say potentially Grant Levine. Mm -hmm. And if you really, really want to get crazy, let's get Mike Honcho or Sterling Thompson up here. I don't know if they will quite bit, but one for oh, me. Absolutely yeah. not. But man, it would be crazy. Yeah. Uh, is... Adele Amador just got back from injury. He's been kind of following the Ezekiel Tovar path this season. Uh, he just got promoted to double A Hartford. So he's playing there now coming off the injury to his hand. Uh, but maybe if he, it's kind of tough because he hasn't played as in with the uh, Hartford that much at all. Yeah. You know, he, he's just barely hasn't played there in a, in Hartford yet. So he's kind of further back on the path than Tovar was because Tovar started the season in double A, whereas he's been down in a, in Spokane at Fresno or down in Spokane this season, but he would be one if he really shows it down in double A in this short span, maybe he gets a look there at like the very last week of the season, kind of like Tovar did. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to trade Brendan Rodgers and uh, Amador, you're our second baseman type of thing. That would be nuts. But he, he would be my far-fetched one of like, maybe Amador just kind of gets that quick call up to the big leagues. But yeah, Jordan Beck would be a incredible one because I think he's he's getting on that cusp. Or Yankee L. Fernandez. Yeah. Ooh, that would be some spicy late season baseball. That'll get some butts and seats. Uh, uh, Chase Dolander. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull an Angels and call up our first round pick of 2023. There's always murmurings of that happens. Like, oh, they're going to uh, call up Paul Skeens at the end of the season. Chase Dolander um, hasn't even pitched yet this since being drafted. And I don't think he will this season. I think their focus is getting him rested and maybe they'll because Arizona complex league is, I believe over soon, yeah. if not already. Um, I will say one guy who I think deserves more of a, a viewing at the big league level than we've given him is Cole Tucker. Yeah. 
Uh, Cole Tucker has really quietly been very good for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Delightful human being. Um, really got the short end of the stick in terms of his brief call up here. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think he- if if we're not going to keep him around next year, that dude deserves to showcase his stuff on why he belongs in a big league roster somewhere else next year. Yeah, and if you don't want to, you know, mess around with calling up prospects like some of these prospects because they're just not yank, really yo, ready. Yeah, yank, yeah. Yo. Then you know <laughs> you, you make room. Harold Castro off the roster. Cole Tucker takes his place. You can still kind of have that veteran on there who's helpful and still kind of getting his his licks in, his reps in while you're not starting the clock on any prospects that you're not really ready or sold on to start right now. Because Mm -hmm. like we said, the roster is already kind of filled with the young group of staples at the moment. So you wouldn't want to start the clock on a guy and then just kind of not use him because month of September is to get guys playing time that are ready for that next step kind of thing. So, and we're already kind of been doing that since July. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that that is credit worth due to this team where they have given, even though he's not hitting particularly well, they are regularly giving Brenton Doyle starts because his outfield defense is just so outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if Doyle can get his bat to where it needs to be of just even like an average hitter, that dude's got basically a lifetime starting job in major mm-hmm. league baseball. Yeah. Um, Nolan Jones getting plenty of playing time. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar started basically every game this season where if, if I'm the Rockies, there are three guys that you can DFA from this team right now, position player wise. And that's Profar Castro and Austin wins, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then you clear at you can clear at least two additional spots for that September roster expansion. Yeah. Stuff to be done. It's just a matter of if they do it at all. Uh, but Evan, I think that's gonna bring into close here of this edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh season's winding down. So not many of these in season episodes left as we get closer and closer to the off season. And that's where the real fun begins of nothing happening as we stare at the clock. Uh, But Evan, where can the folks find you? You can find me on the Twixler. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. Uh, You can also find me on blue sky at Evan Lang 27.bsky.social. And then hit me up on purplerow.com with my Thursday rock piles and occasionally Monday rock piles, apparently, because I did a, I did a Monday one this week. That was, that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, no, just, just reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on at Rocky mountain rooftop. That's at R O C K Y M T N rooftop. And you can also find us over on fans first sports network. You can type that in as F F S N dot a P P. Skyler, how about you? What can we find, chat? You can find me over on X. No. At, at sideline underscore crowd. As always, uh, Wednesday rock piles. You can also always be sure to check us out at fansforsports.com uh, with 
articles and stuff, trying to do more writing over there on fans first, uh, because again, they are in charge of us here. Uh, and then you can find me on the other stuff, but we'll just focus on the X right now and the tweet, the Twitters. Uh, also, if you missed it, you can check out the interview I did with Stephen Rice, the Fresno Grizzlies play-by-play announcer. Uh, I don't know if we'll stick it on to the end of this episode, or we'll just kind of link it in the article post. Probably would be best since that's short, since this won't make this like a two-hour episode <laughs> or something. Uh, but it was a really fun conversation with him. Fortunately, Evan couldn't make it, but it was still a good conversation. Talking about Skylar Messenger, you know, a bunch of these prospects jordan beck sterling thompson cole carrot kyle Karos, michael prosecchi uh tons of guys down there in fresno a fun group steven's a good guy very excited about calling those games and stuff and it was a fun conversation good insights uh about some of those prospects the ground floor of the rockies system uh you can go ahead and go check that out on our podcast feeds of rocky mountain rooftop you can find that on apple spotify google podcasts Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us, Rocky Mountain Rooftop, uh, where you can also find every Rocky ever. We'll have a new episode coming out this coming week, or this coming Wednesday, or Thursday, whenever I record it and post it. Uh, but this coming week, we'll have a new episode. And then, yeah, that's I think that's I think I covered it all. Do you want to give us a preview of who you are talking about on every Rocky ever this week? I wish I knew. At time of recording, I literally do not know who we're talking about. I have to get Alrighty. to my brother about that. It's going to be Brooks Kishnick, everybody. Brooks Kishnick on Every Rocky Ever. No, maybe him among others. <laughs> we don't know. It can be uh, any of 700 Rockies <laughs> to have ever put on a uniform. And then a uh, huge thank you to um, to Stephen for doing that interview with Skyler. Um, like Skyler said, awesome guy. Love the Fresno Grizzlies. Love their team out there. Uh, so yeah. And again, before we go again, if you are wanting tickets to a NFL, NFL week one game of your choice, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com, fill out the appropriate information there and you will be entered registered to win a four, four tickets to any week one NFL game. That is a value of around $5,000, which is insane that you're able to get that. And all you have to do is sign up and you can register for that and go to an NFL game. Contest ends September 4th. So be sure to enter that before time is out. Uh, One last thing that I just thought about that I wanted to say, um, we didn't get a chance to say it last week, is... um, Rest in peace to Alex Cole, the first ever Colorado Rockies starting center fielder who started in center field on opening day in 1993. Uh, Alex Cole passed away last week of undisclosed causes at the age of 58. Um, we just want to extend our um, our thoughts out there to his friends and family. Um, not wi- not widely talked about, but a key key member of the Colorado Rockies legacy, batting second in the lineup behind uh, Eric Young where yeah. um didn't get a chance to say this last week so i just wanted a, a chance to get it out there uh today and i know it's uh it's a sad note to end on but it's important to to remember where we came from as the colorado rockies alex cole with his uh big plastic rec specs which man the ni- the 90s and recreational spectacles were 
were a heck of a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, before my time, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll do it here on Affected Buyout Student. As always, thank you for joining with us. And until next time, I'm Skyler. That's Evan. Hit him with it. Nice on. Farewell! <laughs> Thanks, everybody. This has been Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast with Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. Catch new episodes every Monday on wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to follow us on YouTube as well for video versions of the show.